You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number two. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The bottom of the hour, Trent Cole, head coach of your Calgary Wranglers. Eric Francis, the franchise at the top of the next hour. You know, sometimes uh, we talk about stuff and like, because you look ahead and you're a little busy, you, you kind of, you know, things just fly over your head. All the time. Um, why would they eject a perfectly good airplane and let it crash? Well, I think zombie <laughs> mode is supposed to like land, like it's supposed to come back, and then it just went malfunction. See ya. Oh, okay. It just did its own Are thing. We sure about that? Yeah, like they were, they weren't just going to like eject a seat and let it smash. Yeah. I don't know where the malfunction went. I'm, I'm not. Right. A, I wasn't on hand. Okay. I just. I just. I'm sure I just don't been... think they're blowing up a seventy million dollar jet for the hell of it. Yeah. Just cause. I don't know. Just cause they can. Which is. Yeah. Just... Let's just let's just crash it wherever we get it. The lands. U.S. military budget is. We'll go get a it. little rich. Yeah. We'll go but... get it. Yeah, it's fine. We'll find it. It's fine. Um. Do you want to do the text topic and then we'll get to you, uh, your segment? Sure. Sounds good. Um. <clears throat> I'm kind of calling an audible here, but uh, there's a story. Of a uh, a gentleman uh, who plays uh, in the MLS for the uh, Club de Foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he plays for Montreal in the MLS. Club, Club de, de Foot. Foot. Yeah, CF Montreal, which is C- a terrible Foot. name. Mm-hmm. His name is Matko Milovic. Mm. Okay. Matko Milovic. Um, he had his contract terminated by the MLS. Okay. Because he, quote, engaged in conduct detrimental to the league in violating his standard player agreement. Mm. Mm. Apparently, our man, uh, Matko, um, he signed up in a local amateur soccer league using a fake name due to lack of playing time for CF Montreal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's like, I got to get my I got to get my time in. It was I play in the MLS and I probably make some decent bank, uh-huh. but I, I'm not playing enough. So I'm going to sign up in a local amateur league. Use a fake name. Problem is, after three matches, he reportedly punched a player in the <laughs> face, and the victim may file for assault. Oh, oh boy. boy. Oh. So not only did our <laughs> man, Matko, um, he decided, like, you know what? I'm going to go play some beer league soccer because I ain't playing enough for the pro team. Mm-hmm. But don't mess with me. I'll punch you in the face, allegedly. Allegedly. I, I don't understand. Like, why is Okay, you're a contracted player. You're making money, decent money, playing professional soccer. For a club in the MLS, you're probably but, aware of what you're doing. You're aware. What are you? Why are you wanting to go risk injury? Risk just being just go play indoor soccer. Why do you want to do that? Love the sport. He's uh, serious about his career. But that's like the worst <laughs> thing you could do for your career, yeah. and it shows. Is he'll go. probably never play professional soccer again so, in North America. And man, the other thing here too is that like you don't really want to draw attention to yourself when you're doing stuff like this, and that would mean like probably yeah. And that name may sound Serbian. He was born in Miami. Uh, he's not Serbian. He's Croatian okay. and Argentinian. Oh, there you go. Or... But uh, our man Matko here, Milovic, um, cheated a little bit. Oh. Uh, he, he's, he's, could you imagine you're on that beer league team? It's like, hey, this guy's really good. Uh, he can play with us anytime. So today to win the um, Heritage Classic tickets, we're giving away a pair of Heritage Classic tickets all week right here on the big show, which is awesome <laughs> for the big game in Edmonton next month. Got I'm going to ask you at 960, 960, name and location. Tell us the time you cheated in beer league. <laughs> Give us a story the when time you cheated, you in, cheated beer league. in beer league. Yeah, that you really had to win in beer league. Tell us the time you've cheated. Either you skirted the rules, 
you, you brought in somebody maybe you shouldn't have. Um, you changed some standings. Well, tell us the time you cheated or someone you know cheated in beer league. 960, 960, name and location. I don't really know how you can cheat that much in hockey, right? Like, it's just kind of taking penalties and doing things like that. Cheating you, is a... You can have guys who aren't supposed to be on your roster on your roster playing. Like, that's the biggest one is bringing in a ringer. Yeah. And I think the definition of, like, is, like, where where do you where do you draw the line? You always get some guys who chisel assists or something like that, too. <laughs> yeah. From the bench, they're like, yeah, 26. Chisel yeah. assists. <laughs> on the score sheet. Well, what is... Oh, is, okay, so that's just, like, telling somebody to put yeah, their like, name on the stat. Goal. It's oh, like, yeah, okay. ref. Throw down 10. Yeah. I was on that one. <laughs> No, no, dead. Uh, nine sixty, nine sixty. <laughs> name and location. Your chance to win tickets. What do you to the define Heritage as Classic. a ringer? Like, well, when you cheated at beer league, just well, give us a story when you cheated at beer league. Nine sixty, nine sixty. Name and location. Maybe you were scoring in slow pitch, and you kind of fudged the numbers a little bit. I know two people do it at the same time. Maybe you tried to cheat. Nine sixty, nine sixty. Name and location. I have uh, like our our beer league team over the summer. We had a kid that played a hundred kid a hundred games in the AJHL on our team. And maybe he shouldn't have. No. Well, is he still? Is he playing hockey right now? Still, like, like, uh, no, no. He, so he's, he's just doing it for fun, fun then. Yeah, yeah. He, he and we were playing like yeah. Div Two, and mm. like we were playing pretty high up. Yeah. The thing is, like, you get to a certain level where, you know, so many people play a high level of hockey in Canada that you're playing Div One or Div Two. You're probably got a couple of guys who. You can probably look up on elite prospects after the game if yep. you so desire. 960, 960, name and location. The time you cheated at Beer League. Uh, we want another story from you. We pick your um, story. Uh, you win tickets to the Heritage Classic. Uh, I guess we're rewarding you for cheating. Uh, 960, 960, <laughs> name and location. Um, you guys did a segment when I wasn't here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's called Problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm interested. Here's the deal. Okay. Every Tuesday, we take a look at the NFL week that was, and we examine some individuals, some groups of players, coaches, Mm -hmm. really whatever we want that poise some sort of a problem for some sort of person, people, or group. And then we just have a little chat, throw a few around, bandy a few. Like last week, what did we have on here as far as some of our problems? Uh, We had uh, Getze, who is the Bears' uh, offensive coordinator. Only had two passes to A.J. Brown or D.J. Moore, your brand-new receiver. Can't be doing that. We had the Giants and the Jets O-line. They were problems Mm -hmm. for their respective groups, big Mm -hmm. time. Uh, We had DraftKings Network because they had the very fun 9-11 parlay. Never forget 9-11 parlay. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, Who decided that was a good idea? Mm. The thing is, like, you know that multiple people had to look at it and be like, that's probably like, good. There's never going to be enough time that passes between that day. It, there will <laughs> always be people that will always hate any sort of joke, any sort of anything. Well, yeah, yeah you that. should. Always. Especially if you lost somebody Especially, that day. Exactly. No kidding. And it's not like, oh, it's been 22 years. It's fine. No, it doesn't matter. No. It was stupid from DraftKings and didn't hear a peep out of them this weekend. Yeah. No, they were just taking our money like they usually do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a little intro for it, and we've each got what? I got three today. How many do you have? Oh, was I supposed to prepare something for you? Are you serious? You didn't prepare anything? You didn't listen to the segment? Oh, I, I forgot to listen to it. <laughs> all right. Oh, brother. This guy <laughs> I thought this was all you. 
We got three. I told you. I sent it to you, and I told you what it was, and you just ignored me at every turn. No. We were golfing. Come on, bro. I forgot to listen to it. All right, go ahead. It's me. Yeah, not well enough to win. Not well enough to win. You know, we'll go watch the tape. Some things we can clean up. Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, I wanted you to participate in the I segment, believe it or not. I will participate. All right, Patty, you got one? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Cleveland Browns offense, I think, is going to be a bigger problem. I can problem think of one on the fly. Going, yeah, I, I'm sure you can. Going forward here, it's uh, obviously one of their big players goes down yesterday with Nick Chubb uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, Deshaun Watson's not great. No. He was not good in preseason. Mm. The talk around... I didn't think he was good yesterday. The talk around the camp in training camp was this guy's missing passes in practice. He's not... It doesn't feel like he's all in right now. Deep ball's and, gone. Exactly. Like, that, the, the deep ball he had to, uh, I believe it was uh, Kendrick Bourne. No, it was Kendrick Bourne. Whatever they had. Murky's Goodwin. Way overthrown. I don't know if it was Goodwin missing the route or whatever, but it's just Deshaun Watson just... Obviously, he's not what he was in Houston. And that's going to be a problem. Their defense is still going to be okay, I think. But going forward in this division, they need that offense going forward. And they don't have a running back. Deshaun Watson's not very great. Jack Conklin's hurt. The offensive line is not doing great. Brown's offense is going to be a problem going forward. You I got, got a problem. One? You got one? Joe Burrow's, Joe Burrow's calf. Oh, that was my first one. I knew I should have let you go. Uh, Joe Burrow's calf is a problem because uh, you're talking about a team that got all the way to the AFC championship game and uh, a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. And what's the one thing uh, since Joe Burrow's been the quarterback? Fix the offensive line. You brought mm-hmm. up the point yesterday. Thought it was a good one. The O-line was a lot better yesterday. But right now, it's a problem. Uh, they finally got T. Higgins involved, caught a touchdown pass after Ooh. having what? five or six targets in week one and not catching one ball. Jamar Chase, a dynamic uh, receiver. Joe Mixon's supposed to pound the football, but Joe Burrow's uh, calf is an issue. They missed all of uh, training camp. He hasn't been the same. This is a team that's supposed to be an elite team in the AFC, and right now, if he doesn't play in week three, they could go to 0-3, and then they got some big-time issues. You know what the problem is? They paid their quarterback. How many more years are you going to have Joe Mixon and T. Higgins yeah, and but, but Jamar Chase? And t- no, I agree. Yeah. But my point is your clock is ticking. You'll be able to you pay don't Chase, have a year. Probably. You don't have a year to hip and hop on a calf. <laughs> you're, you're going to lose your talent soon. You're going T. to be Higgins a good is team. the guy who's going to, be, he's, who's going to go. Exactly. they don't want to give him a long 100%. Deal. And yeah. listen, they're still going to have weapons for him. Yeah. But you just can't have the plethora that they currently have. I agree. Joe Burrow's calf big time problem. You're welcome. Jawan Taylor, left tackle for the Chiefs. You are a problem. We all saw you in the season opener, bro. Getting set a yard and a half off the line. Broadcast was calling you out. We're all pointing it out from our couches like, does this look right? They changed the rules. And then he goes out there, back in Jacksonville, his old home. Of course, being the big free agent signing, the Chiefs can't get new receivers or anything else because they got to protect Mahomes. Jawan Taylor had five penalties and was eventually benched by the Chiefs' offense. Jawan Taylor, you are a problem for the Chiefs. I got another one. Yeah, I got one more here. Go ahead. It's going to be a good problem, though. Oh, and it's oh. it's going to be a team that I don't... A lot of people aren't talking about. They played last night. I'm looking at their schedule. That New Orleans defense, mm-hmm. coached by Dennis Allen, who's a very good defensive-minded head coach, yep. they got a good chance to get on to a really good start here. They got to go into Green Bay, deal with that offense. Still young, still learning. Who else do they got here? Then they go to, or they go home. They got Tampa Bay coming in. 
Then they go to New England. Then they got Houston. And then they got Jacksonville. They got Indianapolis. They got Chicago. The start to the New Orleans Saints schedule has them a chance for them. They can rally off 10 wins, 11 wins, really get going. And it could be on the back of that defense. If Derek Carr gets going, I know he's not great outside. That offense comes along. Kamara gets in there. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave. I love Rashid, Rahid Shahid. Good nice. offense there, too. But mm-hmm. that defense, quietly, under the radar, is going to be a good problem for some teams. Uh, you know what a problem is? The Broncos have to go on the road to play the Dolphins in week three. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> because uh, they've already lost their first two games. And Russell Wilson continues to look out of sorts. What was what was the big offseason move? Let's get Sean Payton in here. Mm-hmm. You know, let's fix coach. things. He's, he's a real coach. Hey, Russ, stop being about Russell Wilson, Inc. He's no not. bucket hat. Uh, Russell Wilson. And again, I, I'm, again, this is this is just me watching football and thinking stuff. I'm trying. I'm starting to group like Bill Belichick and Sean Payton together. Like all these offensive super ge- coaches, like, yeah. super coaches. Bill Belichick, the defensive mastermind. Are you saying you know, they're, Sean they're, Payton? They're expiring uh, the offensive- dates. A little pe- come I'm up. saying they should thank their quarterbacks for all their success. Oh, there it is. Oh, they have two Hall of Famers. I, used I to don't be, disagree. Like, I used to be a Belichick over Brady guy, and now there's no question it's Brady over Belichick. And I and I used to have a ton of respect mm-hmm. for Sean Payton, and I'm like, now I'm like, I'm watching what Russell Wilson's doing. He's supposed to be this My respect for Sean Payton went out in 2009 with, uh, with the Bounty Gate. Sure. But, uh, but it's like uh, Sean Payton was a lot smarter. When he had Drew Brees as his quarterback. Let's see if they can fix it. But week three in Miami against the explosive Dolphins, who might be without Jalen Waddle, but still, mm-hmm. the schedule is a problem for the Broncos. Yeah. And going 0-3 with Sean Payton as your head coach and mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, a guy you just you just gave all the money in the world to. Yeah. 0-3 for the Broncos in a season they're supposed to bounce back, and that's a problem. Yo, Bill Belichick, that picture they showed of him when he was the coach of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. You know those filters that make you look old? I yeah. felt like if I had done that filter to that picture, Bill would look exactly like he did yeah. now. Like, that guy has aged exactly like mm-hmm. you would have imagined. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that video of uh, that clip of him just whipping down the challenge. Oh, my God. Is so the best. Good. Guy's fixing the uh, chain. I got one more. Uh, <laughs> Sean McVay, you are a problem. <laughs> you dirty, dirty man. We all saw what you did. And no, I don't want to hear about points as some sort of tiebreaker. It is the ninth tiebreaker. There would have been... Eight tied circumstances between two teams to get two points. Points are not going to matter in your tiebreaker. And frankly, if you really wanted your points, you probably should have gone for a deep shot. Field goal as time ran out. He had to go and spike the ball just to stop the clock so they could kick said field goal, allow the Rams to cover the backdoor spread in that Niners game. Uh, And listen, the Niners also deserve some fault here for that game being that close. But Sean McVay, you are a problem. For everybody who bets San Francisco. Yeah. He, um, also, anytime that, that I see um, McVeigh is like a big points favorite in the Rams, I'm jumping on for that backdoor cover because he, know, he's got to do it for the rest of the season now, right? You know who was great at doing that? Uh, Bill Cowher when he's a Steelers coach. Somehow, some way, either they covered mm-hmm. uh, the spread. Always in a game. And you've never seen Bill Cowher yeah. and Sergeant Slaughter in the room at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Cowher is a guy who always would know, be aware, in my opinion. Uh, what was going on uh, with the point spread? Um, I enjoyed problem. Did you? Yeah. You, yours were good. I liked yours. I also, I can't I also, you, I also you swiped en- my first one right I out from underneath. I also enjoyed how upset Maddie was with me there legitimately at the beginning <laughs> of the segment. But I bounced back. You were great. I had a couple good ones. You were very good. Yeah, the Broncos are a problem. They're going to go 0-3. And they have a good defense. They have a very good defense. Yeah.
they have a really good defense. Well, but Patrick and, Sertan was also getting cooked by Terry McLaurin mm-hmm. in that game. You too. know, scary Terry cooks people regularly, though. Yeah. If Sam Washington Howell can like keep good. taking a step forward, I like Washington. Like, hey, Washington's sneaky good playoff yeah. team, wildcard team. It's. I mean, they sent three teams to the playoffs last year. They could send three teams to the playoffs this year. Yeah, sneaky team. Man, Although they Bri- got to play the Eagles and uh, Cowboys. And yeah. the Giants are, I don't know what the Giants are. Well, we'll Does Brian offensive. Robinson kind of remind you of Derrick Henry when he runs? Alabama, Just because he's so big upright. And, and upright, and he's got yeah. the wide shoulders, just and he just runs Alabama through guys. guys. Yeah, just uh, Montez Sweat and <laughs> Chase time. Young getting to the quarterback, is, is a pro- that's a problem. Washington's going to be years. a that's yes, problem. That's a problem, yeah. yeah. Um. You know, it isn't a problem. I'm talking to a head coach of a team. Hell no. Terrible. That was <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Thank you. Get out. Um, try and call the head coach of the Calgary uh, Wrangler straight ahead. He's going to call us. And um, That was so... I, Look at you two. So we did. Are you proud of yourself? We, we did. Uh, we did this segment, and then I've looked at the text line. The text lines exploded oh, yeah, with people who cheat at beer league. It's I can't believe how many cheaters are out there. Sick bastards! I can't out believe there. it. Nine sixty nine sixty. Name and location. In honor of our man uh, Mako Milovic, who's like, I play for the CF Montreal, but I need to play in an amateur. My name is Mark. Yeah, <laughs> Mark. Um, he cheated, punched somebody in the face, allegedly. Uh, we're asking you 960, 960, name and location. We'll do it at 830. Your chance to win Heritage Classic tickets. Give us a, either you or someone you know cheated at Beer League. 960, 960, name and location. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan at the top of the hour of the franchise. Eric Francis will join us. He was in Penticton for the Flames uh, rookie tournament. And uh, he's got a big announcement coming up. Kind of made it already with Pat, but we'll do it again here on this show. Hey, some people don't have socials. Some people don't listen to the Flames talk. Could be the first time hearing it. Yeah, you're right. He's also in Craig Conroy's bad books. Uh-oh. Oh, God. We'll ask him about that. And also at 8.30, uh, we're giving tickets away to the Heritage Classic next month in Edmonton between the Flames and the Oilers at Commonwealth. In honor of our man, uh, Matko Milovich, uh, who uh, played for CF Montreal in the MLS, didn't get enough playing time, w- signed in as an amateur uh, in an amateur league under a fake name. Indoor. And then allegedly uh, punched a player in the face and may <laughs> face assault charges. Uh, he's at his contract terminated. We're asking you at 960-960, name and location for the tickets. Uh, when's the last time you cheated at Beer League? I can't believe how many cheaters are out there. Our text line exploded for this. Yeah, there's... there's- 10 plus at least. At least. <laughs> at least that are like that we're going to play. Uh, we'll do that at 8.30. But right now he is the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Broadcast Hotline. We say good morning to Trent Call. Trent, how are you? Uh, I'm good, boys. But I want to hear more about that soccer player. Yeah, so uh, our man uh, Matko <laughs> Milovich uh, was playing for the MLS, CF Montreal. Wasn't getting enough playing time, Trent. And he's like, you know what I need to do? Sign up in an amateur league under a fake name so I can get more playing time. He did that. Played a fa- played three matches. Apparently punched somebody right in the old suck hole. And now he potentially is facing some assault charges because he wasn't getting enough playing time. When you played professional hockey, you're like, you know what I need to do? I'm not getting enough ice time. I'm going to go play some beer league and drop the mitts against random dudes. That's uh, you know what? Well, you got to give him some credit. He, he was trying to find a way to get his uh, to hone his craft, so he wanted to get some more playing time, as you said. Yeah. But uh, 
I guess the, the part about punching the guy, that's where it kind of all fell to, to pieces, I'm assuming. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you ever had a time uh, where you've seen in your playing career, your long playing career, anytime like somebody cheated intentionally, have you had any instances where the other team is cheating and you know they're cheating? Have you ever had that? Maybe bringing in a guy on a roster who shouldn't be on the team. Has that ever happened to you, Trent Call? Yeah, like, I mean, I don't think it's – I mean – uh, the expression is you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? So, I mean, that's kind of something that we grew up with. And, you know, you're looking for every competitive edge. I remember playing uh, the Marlies a few years back when I was at first in Utica. And uh, uh, they brought down two players from Toronto. They just, you know, and it, it made the difference. It was in the uh, final uh, clinching game of the series. And uh, they brought the two uh, guys back, and it made a difference for them. Uh, each guy got like, a goal and assist. And, and they went on to win the, the cup that year, right? So, but... Uh, but anyways, I mean, I think a lot of times that happens, but that's just part of the game, I guess. Is there anything in the sport of hockey right now that is within the scope of the rules that almost feels like cheating? You know what? Uh, sometimes as coaches, uh, hmm. you have a lineup card, and usually this isn't talked about that often, but like, so, and it's a, it's a big deal. You have to make sure you have the right names, the right numbers. And you can imagine you're going through 80 something games and you're, you know, traveling here and there and guys are in and out of the lineup a lot of the times. So, and there's been times where other teams have had the wrong guy on the lineup card or the wrong guy starting. And then what you do as a coaching staff, you can then call the, the game starts. Then after the first stoppage of play, you can call a ref over and say, Hey, they have, uh, you know, they've got the wrong lineup together here. And then they go and inspect it, and it takes them five to ten minutes. Then they end up saying that this guy's got to get out of the lineup. or they gotta, I've even seen times where they bring a guy out of the stands and go get a dress, and he comes back onto the, on the ice. And, and all this, you get a two-minute power play. And in all of my experience, anytime anyone has ever called this, the team who gets the, the call against them, they end up coming back and winning because you've just – you know, poke the bear and, oh, right. uh, and they're all ready to go. And, and also too, you kind of sometimes look like a bit of a, not a, I'm not going to say a cheater, but kind of a real stickler for the rules if you're the other right. coach, but it's within the rules, but it is one of those things. It's up to you, a judgment call. Yeah. Nobody likes a tattletale Trent. Uh, that's just the way it is. Snitches get um, stitches. I, I want, that's, that's true. I uh, wanted to ask you, how much do you obsess about the lineup card then to make sure it's right? It was one of those, like, the other coaches have passed it off and this and that, and I've always said that that's my responsibility as a head coach because if something happens, it's on me, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's not on my assistants or whomever it is. So that's I, I always kind of spent some time. And now it's all done digitally, so it is a little bit easier to catch any of the, the mistakes. Are there certain teams that you've played, and I know this is your first scene with the Wranglers, so maybe other rivalries that you've been a part of, but... Um, were there maybe rivalries with other teams or coaches or players or whatever it might be that in those particular games you're like, I'm going to make sure that I'm just, you know, crossing my T's, dotting my I's, just a little bit more aware of everything in this particular matchup? Yeah, and then there's sometimes too where like um, in the American League, sometimes you'll you'll share lines before the game. And, uh, and so there's a team that's probably maybe within our prov- uh, province here there was the coach who used to coach somewhere in the South who wouldn't share his line. And I'd be like, and it was just, I was like, come on, you know, like, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things where you're like, there's really no secrets you need to have, or there'd even be a scrambling of players in warm up. So what happens is, is that usually in warm up, you go out coaching staff, you watch the other team's lines, you see who they have positioned together. So then it helps you if you're the home team, Hey, 
who's together, who can I match lines versus et cetera, these kind of things, right? So, but sometimes when a guy, you know, really goes to the extent of, you know, scrambling the lines and warm up and not looking to share the line, that usually kind of gets Trent Cull a little bit uh, dialed in, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> and then, then I, in turn, even try to dial my players in even more. And, and then, because I kind of really like those games. So, <laughs> I wonder who that might be up the road. Looks like a greasy car salesman. Ah, it doesn't matter. Hey, uh, I wanted to ask you about the weekend in Penticton that was. Uh, you had the young stars out there. You take a 7-1 loss in the first game, but then bounce back and win the next two. How do you approach coaching at a weekend event like this with a bunch of young players, some of them kind of in their first NHL environment? How did you look at this situation? It was uh, it was great, like in the sense of, uh, you know what, you get to know. It's one thing when you're looking at a player profile and a, and a face on a piece of paper and reading a little bit about a guy, but when you finally see to get guys on the ice and start to learn their names a little bit and start to see how they, even they move and what they're doing and how they react to certain situations, that, that's the fun part of our job, right? So then we start to get to know the players. So I thought that was, was great. Uh, first night, yeah, we were uh, – we were a little bit, uh, I don't want to say shell-shocked, but a little bit nervous, I think, as a group. And, uh, and you saw the, the, the reaction or the score from the game. But you know what? It was a better every day saying, you know, this is what we need to do. And it's tough when you get those guys, all groups, you're just thrown together fairly quickly and trying to mesh the units together. But, um, and we tinkered around, did some things. Some guys ran out of the lineup, and I, and I really liked where we finished as opposed to where we, we started. Uh, Trent, how do you gauge uh, the performance of the players? Like, wh- what's the level we're at? Is it just that half step maybe below the American Hockey League where you're playing against guys who are professional players and are veterans and are very good American Hockey Leaguers? Those guys are very difficult to play against, obviously the NHL being in the top level. How, how do you gauge evaluating these guys against their peers? Yeah, that, that's the one thing. It is, uh, it's the very initial stages of, I guess you'd say, the American League is what I thought that, that the level of play would be. Um, so you have some guys that are young guys just there on professional tryouts. You've got other guys who have played a year, maybe two, in, in the American League, so they're w- way more seasoned, right? So that's kind of the level it is. And I think what you're looking for is just if they feel comfortable, they get a little bit better every day as they start to kind of progress their way through. And I think it's uh, depending on, and we might have strengths as a team, you know, we might have great centermen or a great group of D or unreal wingers, whatever it is. So it's really tough to kind of see how uh, each guy's uh, where he's at. It's more just saying, okay, let's see where, he, where he's going. And then we'll see where he is at a big camp here in a couple of days. Trent Cauley, head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline. Big show, Russick and Rosen, 960, the fan. How do you manage yourself, Trent, when you see a guy like Dustin Wolf, for instance? You know if, if he plays for you this season, you're going to win some games. But also, like, your job is to develop guys for the big club as well. How do you manage that where you want to win your games, but as an organization, you want them seeing the big club? How do you, How do you struggle with that, being the head coach of the Wranglers? You know, I, I always, I think the, the the thing is with our job too, you want the, the best interest for those players personally. And I think that if we're doing the right things together and the players are playing well and, and they're having good, complete seasons and how they're playing, then I feel like the team and the player ends up getting to the same place. You know, I feel like we'll be productive and we'll uh, have some success as a group. But I also do think that those players will have success as individuals as well. And I know the goal is to get to Calgary, but I do think that they're tied. And I think that's the way we go about it and we treat it. And then 
when guys do get the opportunity going up, well, then it's just next man up, that next opportunity, because the opportunity all the time for that next player is huge, no matter where he's coming from, whether he's within the team and he gets more minutes, or if he's coming from the East Coast League, this is his chance at the American League. Coach, just want to ask you about a few other players that were uh, at the camp and, and you might end up seeing more of this year. Matt Coronado is one of them. A lot, a lot of hopes for the big club this season. He scored the one power play goal there right from the slot. Uh, what did you see from Matt Coronado this weekend in Penticton? Yeah, I like Matt's game. He was one of those guys, too, that got better as, uh, as the kind of the, the periods went on. You know, mm-hmm. you play nine periods of hockey, a little bit of overtime there as well, too. So I just thought that from, from the day one to the you know second day, I thought, especially guys like that who, who are kind of points guys, you know what I mean? He's not a stay-at-home defenseman. So when they get a goal or they get themselves on the board, a lot of times that's when they, you know, they put their shoulders back. Oh, I feel good now, you know, and they mm-hmm. kind of start rolling their way. And I, I felt like that with Matt. I had a chance to use him at PK, uh, power play. We had four on three, five on three. So I think he's one of those guys, too, that you get him around, um, I'd say, higher-level players, like uh, in a couple of days here. I think he's one of those guys who will have that ability to raise his game as well. Um, tell us about his shot, um, Trent. That's something that we've all seen. We're all raving about. Just tell us about uh, Matt Coronado's shot. No, I think he does have a good shot, and I think it's it's going to be something, too, where as you move along from him playing college hockey now to pro hockey, whatever level it is, is, is making sure you can get that off in a five-on-five situation, and that's the biggest thing, right? Because sometimes it's not always about here you are, you're set up on the power play. We're going to have to find a way for Matt to be just as effective in five-on-five hockey, and that's where sometimes, too, in the NHL, things are a little more uh, organized, I'll say. And so guys are a little more positionally sound. So a guy like that, when you can find those pockets, that'll be really key for him to make sure he's getting that off. Hitting the net, of course, too, because then with the hitting the net, you create secondary chances as well. And I'm sure it'll be it'll be good to see him play with those guys next week. Another guy was Samuel Honzik, this past year's first rounder. What were your impressions of the uh, the big man who was playing off on the wing for you this weekend? Yeah, yeah, that's where they wanted to see him play. And, and uh, you know what? I thought those guys actually had uh, that line, Stronger and uh, Lipinski, mm-hmm. those guys who put those guys together halfway through the second game uh, or in the third period. And I like the kind of the chemistry they created. Yesterday they were good. Uh, like Sammy can jump in and take a face-off in the O zone. They end up scoring two face-off goals off face-off play. So great job. I'm, I'm sitting there. Uh, I'm yelling at Sammy to, to pick a guy because he doesn't pick him on the one face-off. Then he goes and picks him, and then you know Stromer comes right off the wall and ends up getting the goal. So it was nice to see how coachable these guys are, especially Sammy. And uh, he made some really good entry plays, kind of slick plays. So like again, I, he's one of those guys that I'm excited to see how he fits in with that higher skill echelon group here this week. Before I ask you about this next player, I'm curious, what was Trent Cole like as a player? Uh, I try to be a good plus minus guy. I usually played against other teams, you know, uh, whether it be at, at the American League level or IHL level was, you know, good players. I, and I used to be hard to play against. That was part of the thing. And like, say, if you guys had to pour coffee for your buddy every day, some parts of my job where I had to make sure I was sticking up for my teammates, you know what I mean? And so but I, I tried to, and, you know, I was a PK guy. I a couple of, uh, when everybody ran out or everybody got hurt or traded, then they put me on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that kind of sets me up for this next one. I'm wondering what your first impression is a week into knowing the hulking six foot eight Adam Klapka. 
Oh, yeah. No, I think uh, I thought Adam was overall probably one of our best players at the tournament. You know, he's got some of that past experience. I thought he used that. But uh, it's, you know what the thing for me was? I saw him uh, a year ago in training camp uh, versus Vancouver, and uh, I didn't realize he's actually a deceptively uh, fast skater through the neutral zone. Like, once he gets going there, he has some, he, he gets the big long strides, and he gets some power there. And I was really impressed with that. But, just looking at a guy who can do everything. And sometimes too, we, we really get excited when you get these guys as free agents and you, and you haven't paid anything for them. And you see a guy and all of a sudden the growth, I know I've been told from him from in over one year has been great, you know? And so that's awesome. We're hoping that that's something that he can take those even more growth again this year. Um, something that uh, I saw on social media from a lot of the media members covering it or just raving about the size of these young prospects. Is that something you've noticed too? Big guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I'm of, of, you gotta be able to play hockey. I don't care if you're tall or short or whatever it is, but I mean, it's one thing to be big, but you've got to have hockey sense. You've got to have some speed and you gotta be able to play the game and play with, with your teammates. Right. So size is great. And, and that's awesome, but we still got to be able to play the game too. Right. Can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Ryan Huska? Uh, Husk, uh, me and Husk played together and I can't remember the year, but, uh, we started, I got uh, traded in, so we started out in Springfield, we we're, uh, Phoenix property. And, uh, so we're in Springfield together. I was there for half the year and then, uh, Phoenix reassigned me to Houston. So, but, so I got to know Husk that year. We played the half a year together there at Springfield and, uh, and also too, you know, in the coaching circles, like him being in the American league for a while, I was in the American league for a while. So we'd see each other, you know, shoot the breeze, how's things going, whatever. And and sometimes it was always, there was a call or I was always more on the East side of the AHL and he went to the West side. So we, there'd be calls, you know, you know, in, over the summer, just how things are going and what was going on the West side. That's kind of thing. Uh, so how are you approaching the dynamic of, you know, not having identical systems, but being able to transfer players back and forth and have them ready for the NHL club? Oh, no, it's good. And it is, there's going to be a lot of very, a lot of similarity, if not everything similar to how we play. I mean, that was discussed in the summer and we talked about that. And Husk has been very open with me and very accepting of, of all the things and how to, uh, you know, sometimes coaches in the NHL, they don't want to share that much, right? And, and, and Husk has been great with sharing of everything because we just discussed in the sense of if players are playing the same way here, sorry for the Wranglers, and it'll be an easier transition for them when they get called up to Calgary. And, and we don't want to bug guys now with systems. We want to see the best players you can when they come to Calgary. That's the ultimate goal, and, uh, and hopefully that eases the transition. Trent, uh, you've you've coached at a lot of different levels, junior, AHL, out in Utica with the Vancouver affiliate. You were behind the NHL bench with Bruce Boudreau there for a little bit. Um, 49 years yourself. I got to imagine that there are some NHL aspirations as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about how this job, as, as much as it's the job right now, might be a, a, a bit of a step for you, perhaps? You know what? Um, I was just there, and uh, and I really didn't enjoy it that much. <laughs> <laughs> was so, that? I, I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was a very uh, odd and trying time, for yeah. sure. And uh, for me, um, that's not my focus right now, I'll be honest with you. I, my job, I, I wanted to get back to being a head coach. I, I really enjoy coaching at the American League level. You've got a bunch of hungry young players that uh, aren't making millions of dollars, and they're just hungry to get to the rink and hungry to get to the NHL. 
And that for me is, is, is awesome. Like I, I really enjoyed that. And I knew how much I missed that after last year. And that was the goal to, to be in this position again. And so I'm, I'm going to enjoy where I'm at. I'm not in a rush to, to get anywhere or go or do anything. I'm happy with this right now. And it, and for me, it kind of makes me, uh, what do you want to say? It kind of feeds my soul that when I'm watching players that we've helped develop and they're playing for the Calgary Flames and helping them win, that makes me feel pretty good about myself. Uh, Trent, before I let you go, uh, the Flames this week are going to have their fitness testing. How did Trent Call do in fitness testing? Oh man, I'll tell you. My first year, I didn't. I was an overage coming out of junior, and I had bad, I had some bad marks, and uh, you know, was, uh, <laughs> I didn't do very well. The second year, I came back and I won the award for the best uh, conditioned Ooh, athlete wow. at camp. So I made sure from then on that uh, I got the message, and I didn't have it before that. But I figured it out after that. And then as you get older and you're still playing and you get closer to your 30s, you have to work harder than all the guys in their young 20s because things are breaking down and things are doing. So you have to make sure that you're you're doing more to keep yourself available and at the top uh, shape to play against the younger guys is what I felt like. Uh, what was it like doing the VO2 max uh, test on the bike? Like, just take us through that real quick. Yeah, you know what? Like, like my first year, I bombed it, and uh, and then after that, I became a guy who lived on the bike. Like, I was like, I was on it all the time, and and then I got to be like good at the VO2 test, and I knew that was something I had to do well. And I was a bigger guy, right? You're heavier guy. Like, you got to make sure that you're in great shape. So, uh, that was fine for me. It was the wind gate, and that's where, according to your weight, because I was a heavier guy, played around two ten, two fifteen you would go as fast as you possibly can on the bike and then they would drop this weight on you and depending on how much you weighed and you had to try to keep that up for 30 seconds and it doesn't sound like much. I think it was 30 seconds, 30 seconds or a minute and it was just like, and you would get to the end and they would get you off the bike and it was the toughest. You're, you have no blood in your in your head. You're lightheaded. Your guys would be puking everywhere. Like it was just one of those things that I found <laughs> that was tougher than doing the the VO2 for ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, it's not like the old days uh, when uh, you'd have to show up in camp overweight and use camp to lose weight. Not like the old days of the original six uh, when guys were uh, had to do ten push-ups uh, was the minimum requirement uh, to get to training camp. I guess times have changed. Uh, did you ever throw up on the bike? No, no, no. That's once you once you got in there, it's fine. I'll tell you a great story. Okay. Uh, this is I can't remember if it was my first year, or second year. I go to Toronto Maple Leafs camp. I was playing in St. John's. My first three years in, in St. John's, Baby Leafs, wherever you call it. So uh, I go to camp, and there's guys like Todd Gill, and you guys will know this next guy, Jamie McCowan. So. Yeah. Um, these guys used to be, uh, they used to have a little fun too at training camp. And I remember sitting in the corner of the room, you know, putting my, you know, not saying a, a peep or a word. And this is Wendell Clark era, Doug Gilmore, these kind of guys. And Jamie McCallan takes the skates out of the box, straps them on his feet, and he goes out for training camp. And I'm like, can you believe this guy put brand new skates right out of the box, pulls the tissue paper out of them, throws his feet in there, and he went out for training camp. And I'm like, Man, that's unbelievable. I remember thinking in my head. <laughs> uh, Trent, before I let you go, I found that letter I was talking about. It was a punch Imlac letter to his players uh, dated August 2nd, 1962. Here was the requirements back in 1962 for the Toronto Maple Leafs heading into training camp. Uh, you can't be more than seven pounds over your playing weight. And when you get there, uh, you'll have to be able to do 20 push-ups, 20 sit-ups, and 30 knee bends. 
That was back in 62, Trent. <laughs> That's awesome. But, you know, and I too understand, like, those guys weren't making that much money, and they had to no. work, and they had other jobs yeah. and things just to make a living, right? Yeah. So I, I get that part. But, yeah, I think I think the knee bends, that may have got me. I'm not sure. But... Yeah, 30 knee bends. That's a lot. It's oh, a lot, Trent. Forget putting the weight on and I'm almost passing on on a bike. 30 knee bends, Trent Call, uh, to be in shape. Thanks for this, sir. All right, thanks, boys. Good talking with you. There he is, the head coach of the Calgary Wranglers, Trent Call, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. I very much enjoyed that chat. I hope we can talk to him more as the season goes on. And hopefully the Wranglers have another really good season, and the prospects are good, and they get a little bit of a look-see maybe in the NHL. Mm -hmm. And Adam Klapka is the best player in the AHL. That's something you can ask Eric Francis. Your boy? is a big fan of large dudes being good at sports, and Adam yep. Klapka checks a lot of boxes. Well, that's why everybody uh, would be so upset when Walker Dewar was out of the lineup. It's <sighs> like, why do we need you know a guy who skates like the wind and has that much size on the ice all the time? And can shoot the puck. Yeah. Why would we need him? Yeah. Um, Eric Francis next. Uh, I can't believe how many cheaters are out there. Dude, can you believe how close hockey is, though? Yeah, it is. It's close. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You can feel it. You can definitely feel it. Um, 96960, name and location. Your chance to win two tickets to the Heritage Classic in Edmonton next month. Uh, in honor of our man, uh, Matko Milovic, uh, who um, was playing for CF Montreal and wasn't getting enough play in time, so he signed up for an amateur league under a fake name and then assaulted somebody by punching him in the face, allegedly, after three matches. Uh, we're asking you, when's the time you cheated at Beer League? Uh, there's a lot of cheaters out there, and we're going to reward a cheater because that's what we're asking you. 960-960, name and location. We'll do that at 830. The franchise next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.